I think we just have to stay relevant, right? And, and so I think that it's not just, you know, doing TikTok dances, that's not, that's not the answer. Um, but it's staying, uh, you know, staying on the top of your craft right. and not being told that, you know, this is the way you practice. Here's the algorithm that our healthcare systems adopted. You treat, you know, cause then you, yeah, you really can just hire a mid-level provider and just have them follow a, 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 a an algorithm we just handed, printed and handed to you and just follow this and you'll be all set. No, I mean, we're, we're the doctors. We have experience. There's a reason why we, you know, slaved away for six years, seven years of training, trying to, you know, trying to perfect a craft. I just want to get controversial today. Are you ready to get controversial? I think, uh, I think we Let's come with the shits. Not, no, you're a little scared. No, man. I mean, you know, I, I have uh, various faces I wear, so I'm ready for my controversial face. You know, we, we are, we take all issues and all, anything that's important in medicine, we, we discuss. So what do you got in the tell? All right, well, why don't we just introduce our guests first? So welcome back to Recommended Daily Dose. I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman with Dr. Sarad Sugger. We have a friend, a colleague, probably the smartest man in the room currently, which I, I easily defer that to Dr. Peter DeNoble. He's an orthopedic surgeon and he's CEO and president of Modern Orthopedics of New Jersey. And I want to talk about your, your past organization, but you were the founder and past president of New Jersey Doctor Patient Alliance, yep. which was a group that uh, advocates for uh, patients access, uh, especially in New Jersey. So um, we want to get an idea of what you know an orthopedist does and what you do as a hand, hand I guess, shoulder arm down hand specialist um you know i see you on social media operating yeah. and stuff that's that's pretty cool you're all you've always been forward thinking so i want to we want to get an idea of what you think of the social activism stuff going on especially with the the recent stuff so first and foremost welcome welcome Peter. glad to have you glad to talk about you for sure yeah i was i was looking at all the topics we were kind of talking about and i was like this is uh this is gonna have to pack this one in all right, but yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is great. I really appreciate the opportunity, and um, you know, I've been you know hard at work on a very a number of uh, fronts, and uh, Products, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I appreciate your um, you know having me on and, and to talk about some of that stuff. So, uh, as far as the Doctor Patient Alliance goes, um, you know, that's that's something that I <clears throat> you know had a, had an, uh, an idea for back when. Um, it, you know, it was probably about three and a half years ago when we were kind of in this process of doctors, independent doctors were lobbying for uh, essentially a way to just maintain their leverage in negotiations. I mean, that's right. really all it really boils down to is that if you can't pay your bills as a private practice doctor, you're then beholden to big hospital systems and private equity groups. So we really think, you know, and, and the group of people that started the group with me, really, we all believe the same thing, which is that we know, you know, we've, we've uh, you know, have gone through extensive training, we're experts in our field, and we know what our patient, what's good and what isn't good for our patients, and we know what quality means. And, and it's hard to describe that in like a phrase or three sentences and, and right. prospectus or something crazy like that. It's really, uh, it's indescribable. It's, you know, being able to treat your patients the way you know, they need to be treated and, and really taking, you know, keeping the heart in medicine. And we were seeing that slowly slip away. 
And the more we lose our leverage to basically be able to survive as a private practice, as a small business, frankly, um, the more we were scared that, that our patients were going to sort of suffer the consequences and we were going to essentially just slide into this sort of morass of burning. So we kind just, of- just, just to clarify, so we're talking private practice. I mean, I'm in private practice, uh, Clinton's in private practice, but you were basically talking kind of to answer the antithesis of the employed model, which, you know, you should touch upon, but I know I looked at the recent statistics. It's just incredible how many doctors now were employed versus even a few years ago. Um, their bargaining power with third-party uh, insurance companies. And then you even mentioned private equity, which I know is happening a lot in dermatology and some other fields. I mean, so, but at the end of the day, this probably, and I think this is what most of us feel, is really not, it may be good for bottom lines of people other than physicians, but it's not good for patient care. Is that, is that kind of what you, uh, the, the summary there? I think that, that everyone in <clears throat> healthcare that's not a doctor or a patient wins in this model. Right. You know, I mean, so do you, there's, do a you lot think, of there's a lot of other people. Do you think that's from the, that's not the hospital system. I think they're just following the lead of the insurances and trying to build their own leverage and taking what they can get. Like, you know, the, well, the middleman has always been the problem, but the middleman was always the payers and not the necessarily the hospital system. I think the hospital systems are just a, probably a symptom of the problem. Well, they, they maybe they once were, but at this point, were yeah, well, yeah. Now it's crazy, but yeah. it used to be hospitals. Now they're called healthcare systems, and right. they start to you know vertically integrate. So they're vertically integrating from the position of being the hospital now to the system now to you know self large self insured uh, models. Whereas the insurers, you look at the United, and they're basically you know they have Optum, they have these sort of multiple entities that are all sort of different, but they're all the same. Optum, United Health Group, United. Right. Oxford, you know, there's, it's, it's every, they have all these different entities, but they're all the same thing. And their profits are, you know, quarterly are, are over $10 billion. And what, yeah. what are they doing? They're, they're just like, well, we got to get even more money. So what are they doing? They're, they're vertically integrating, which means basically that, you know, they're starting to own doctors. And so when the insurance company owns the doctor, I mean, God, God help us, you know, I mean, we're going to, we're going to be in big trouble. Um, it's just, you know, it's, we don't see an end in sight. And we, we identify the problem as a burnout and, you know, mental health issues related to, you know, doctors just doing endless amounts of paperwork and being frustrated that they're not right. valued and right. they're not able to deliver the care they want to to their patients. And yet um, there's not like there's been meaningful, uh, you know, progress in that direction other than big health care systems saying, oh, we'll address that problem by hiring a chief wellness officer. So just adding to the C-suite. I mean, it's just right. I haven't I personally haven't seen it. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, we you know, Clint and I talk all the time about how there's this rise of physicians doing side gigs and entrepreneurship. I think this is all a reflection of just being fed up with their day job, uh, which is unfortunate, right? Because we all spend so much time and 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 training and education to get to this point. And they very quickly this idea of burnout. Uh, I think it's been just hastened by COVID, certainly, uh, but it's very real and very prevalent. Whether you're on social media, what have you, and it's just amazing how physicians all seem to be very tired, which is you know unfortunate, like you said. But so tell us a little bit. I know you were the you were the you were the founder and past president. I mean, uh, what are they doing now? I know that at one time they were looking at out of network benefits, uh, fair, fair payer acts, and kind of modeling out of New York. I am um, I'm good friends with your colleague uh, Stavros Studios, and he was always kind of kind of keeping me in the loop of what was going on. But what is going on with the organization now, or what are they advocating for? Yeah, I mean, so I. <clears throat> I, I I stepped down as president last summer, end of in the fall. So 
I'm just a general member now, but I'm an observer and I certainly, you know, um, I'm eager to see that group continue to grow. I, I um, you know, they're, they're working on a lot of various things, you know, be it um, similar, you know, advocacy related to benefits, uh, making sure that, and really the benefits issue is really just simply that patients are being sold a bundle of goods. They're, they're, they're being sold policies that don't actually cover what they think that they cover or give them access to things that they think that they have access to until right. it's too late or then there's a surprise. And that, those, are gen, those are literally uh, surprise denials or various other things uh, when it comes to your health. And, and we know that these are important benefits to have. And by the way, they haven't gotten any cheaper. Sound like right. you're getting less and paying less. You're getting less constantly and you're paying more constantly. And then there's guys. Right. Costs have not driven down. That's the major thing here, right? That, uh, no, 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 no. They get captured at the top for the shareholders. And that's, that's really like what, what, you know, and, and by the way, it, it, there's all sorts of um, ways that this happens. It's not just, oh, well, they added a network thing and now they, they are doing something else. It, it's that it's, um, it has to do with self-funded plans. It has to do with uh, now a national national surprise bill, and, and we're firmly on board with you know preventing surprise bills from you know getting to patients. Nobody wants this. None of us want to be surprised by a bill, be it a uh, you know a plumber, electrician, or a doctor. I mean, it's it's right. just not a thing that people want is unexpected costs in this day and right. age. So, um, but yet we you know continue down this road. So. You know, it, it's it's nonstop. It's just like a constant. It's constant battle. I'm so glad that so many other docs are have, have joined us. We were 300 members, and um, I'm so glad to see it kind of flourish and continue to play a strong role in sort of the advocacy of of these issues. Yeah, I think the, the problem I see, and we've talked about before, is that uh, you know the environment. It's so toxic for you know doctors who you know are in private practices that you know. You, you're starting to see this this exodus of doctors out of these private systems or out of these large groups into private practice or out of medicine completely, which we've talked about before, which I think- Out of the state of New Jersey, right? You know, out of the state, that's a concern, I think, as well. Or they just stop doing medicine and start doing other things. Um, you know, Dr. Dr. Sugger likes uh, Pimple Popper MD. He, he loves watching her. So that was- You may know it's like those... looking very shiny. He's got that new Botox. I think you, you just got Botox right before you got on I did, right? <laughs> there was a joke about, never mind. Um, I got it, I got it. You got it. Chappelle show. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think, you know, what we see is are the, these good physicians and healthcare providers doing non-clinical stuff. Um, you know, as a way to get away from the, the mundane and the toxicity of medicine. Um, yeah, that's not, not why. It's a creative outlet, right? Just to avoid burnout. I mean, it's, a lot of, it's probably a mix of both, both things. Right. It's a mix of both things. Um, what, what kind of non-clinical stuff are you engaged in? I, I, I see on your, um, on your social media, you do a lot of, uh, it's more like education, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, I don't, you're probably not trying to get away from ortho, but it's more probably building your brand and showing, you know, a different side of, of doctors, I think is great. So I think you have to diversify, right? So <clears throat> that's what a side gig does for you. It gives you maybe another little, you know, stream of revenue. Um, it, it also, I think there's, there's something to be said for, you know, the real solution I think to, um, to burnout per se um, is, is, is like you mentioned, sort of this, this outlet for creativity and right. Clinton, you know that 
Um, Clinton's a far better artist than I would ever be or could ever be. And uh, I don't know if you've shown any of your works on, on the podcast, but it, it's- You're talking about rapping or-, or Oh, or I, I didn't know you were doing that too. I, I just- I didn't, know you were. <laughs> I didn't realize you were an artist. Is that true? Remember, remember the fat boys? <laughs> that was part of that group well, before they broke up. Maybe I, I used to dabble in painting, not anymore though. We got to see those. He's kind of like the. It's impressive work. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't hide that. But it's very okay. important. Absolutely, jazz hands. Jazz hands. The whole thing. No, but Peter, I think you're right. That, you know, one is diversification. You know, extra streams of income, not beholden upon, um, uh, you know, your quote unquote day job. Uh, but like you said, the creative outlet is very important. But I think it's also just keeping yourself um, independent. And I think um, my father was an internist, you know, now retired. And uh, towards the end of his career, he said, well, I, I may have been able to, you know, close my shop up and and take an employed approach and maybe make a little extra money in my twilight of my career. But he really had no interest in working with someone else. He said, look, if you are used to being your own boss, setting your own rules and practicing medicine for the joy of it, um, but at your own pace, there's nothing that beats that. And that that's worth, you know, much more than a financial, uh, 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 any kind of financial imprint that can be put onto that. So I wonder if you could just comment, why are so many physicians, young physicians now coming out of training, really foregoing the private practice model? I know like my dad's time, let's say in the late 70s, anyone that could or almost anyone would just come out, hang up their shingle and go to work up for themselves. You know, it's just changed so dramatically and we seem to have lost our control. But what are your thoughts on that? So when I joined, you know, the practice I joined uh, 10 years ago, you know, it was a mom and pop shop type of thing. Uh, there was no website, there was no branding, there was no logo, there was no uh, Google AdWords, there was no uh, billboards, nothing. It was just word of mouth, do good work, patients will come in your door. Uh, and, that, and that still holds true, but that's not good enough. That's not even close right. to good enough anymore. You're fighting, you know, you're in a system now, it's basically like being in the harbor uh, you know, with oil tankers and you're just got, you got a dinghy. So of course you're not prepared for that. So you have to build a bigger ship. And so in order to, when you come out uh, of training, rightfully so, you should be focused on being, you know, as a surgeon or any physician, you should be focused on your craft, your, your being a safe surgeon or being a, a making great medical decisions. Um, but pretty quickly, once you get the hang of it within the first three, four or five years, you realize, wow, I'm doing really good work and I'm not getting the value out of it. In fact, I'm not even getting the satisfaction of it because I'm spending more time documenting and cover my, covering myself for maybe medical legal purposes, but really more for billing and, and, and other masters that, that, that have nothing to do with patient care or patient outcomes or satis patient satisfaction. So I'm spending a minority of my time um, connecting with my patient and making them, you know, Oh. Yeah, we spend so much of our time, uh, it seems like padding our notes, you know, to make sure the correct amount of review systems, making sure, you know, quality assurance, like the way we write our notes, we document. And it, it, I understand why the, it's a necessary evil, but you're right. It's not why any of us went to medical school, whether it's to operate, to spend time with patients, patient counseling, diagnosis, treatment, whatever. I mean, it's, um, but I think also the astronomical debt, right, of, of medicine is coming in now. Yeah, right. includes them from saying I'm gonna now take a small business loan and open up my own shop. Yeah, you, you know the the output of you know so I started my own practice a year and a half ago, literally two months prior to the pandemic starting and shutting down. So that was not op opportune timing, right? Mm -hmm. But 
we were fortunate enough to, you know, have a, you know, a following and, and a, a trusted patient population that came and, and, you know, we, that we were treating and we were able to make things work despite all that. And, um, but, <clears throat> you know, as the managing partner and, and, and the CEO, I'm, you know, I'm realizing, you know, a lot of my time, at least half of my time now is non-clinical. It, it's really, you know, identifying how do we make people, make patients, uh, potential patients more aware of what we do, uh, more aware of what we do that's different than maybe other doctors, maybe the other doctors that do similar things that I do, right. uh, we do. And that um, also, also a lot of my time is spent on the other end. So once we do do services, once we do surgeries, um, how do we actually get paid what we're supposed to get paid? Uh, and, and that's a big problem that I don't know that many of us have great solutions for. We're getting underpaid. I mean, insurance companies and, and all their, um, you know, sophistication are very good at, you know, basically denying low paying, no paying, right. doing all sorts of things. While you take all the risk for the procedure, right? People don't understand oh, that yeah, yeah, don't part of the reason why um, this procedure costs this much, or one is the the time, the effort, the expertise of the doctor, but also the balance of the risk that you took, right? So um, it's not necessarily just, uh, I do a surgery, you pay me a cost. There's so many underlying factors. And right. um, so how do you, so you mentioned, um, you know, branding, how, how is your practice different from like the mom and pop? Like, what did you notice about that, those old practices, which I agree with you. And, and how did that change in the way you practice medicine now? Um, well, you know, it, it, it hasn't changed the way I practice medicine, although, you know, so that, that it's, it's in addition to the way I practice medicine okay. so the branding and, and the marketing and, and, and stuff is just a way to keep patients aware of us in, in a sea of noise uh, of, of, you know, every, you know, my competitors are on every billboard in Bergen County, you know what I mean? So I have to find until I'm on billboards, if I ever am on billboards, uh, I got to find other ways that, that people know. And of course, you know, again, you do good work. People are still going to know about you, but you got to continue to make people aware of who you are, what your, your strategy, what your approach is, what your approach to healthcare or even just, you know, their problem is um, and articulate that in a, in a very basic, easygoing uh, way that they understand that this is actually something that I feel comfortable with. Um, and I, you know, I like that doctor. That's actually the uh, premise of our entire podcast, just right there. You, you summarize nicely, but yeah, just to take it one step further. So that we'll move on to social media, you know, and what do you think physicians roles are on social media? I think we are connected on LinkedIn professional uh, Clinton dances around and does some strange things. Uh, to and you're dying to get on TikTok. To complete, compete with the millennials. I'm joking, but you know, our friends with physicians are a generation or so below us are younger than us. And, you know, they're on TikTok and, or, or Instagram and kind of talking about COVID, but like in a way to kind of get followers. And so I always think to myself, that doesn't seem very genuine for me, you know, so I'll stick to LinkedIn, but I put stuff on Facebook. So I kind of figure out how does a physician kind of, it's kind of foreign, you know, and you have to maintain a um, certain level of uh, respect and kind of professionalism. At the same time, you want to let your hair down, so to speak. I mean, not me necessarily, but more you. Um, uh, but, you know, how, how do you kind of view that? Do you keep LinkedIn for professional? Are you dancing in the OR on Instagram? I'm, I'm guessing not. But, you know, like, what, what exactly? How, how do you how do you approach that? You're, you're 100% right. There's definitely a line uh, that you, you, you want to keep it professional. 
Um, and, you know, I think that it, it's, it's no different, right, than I think it's no different than when you're in a, in a room with a patient, right? right. It, there's certain lines you don't talk about, you know, when you're first meeting a patient, you don't start talking about weird stuff. And uh, it's the same thing, right? So I, I think, but you can incorporate a little bit more, you know, may, maybe a little bit more of your personality. Maybe you're at home, maybe people see into your living room a little bit more and you have to be comfortable with that. Some people right. aren't comfortable with that. Um, you just have to make a judgment call on that. But, but I think that this is the only way that we as physicians can kind of um, stay above the noise because ultimately at the end of the day, if you're an administrator and you're, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're in this big system and you have a brand behind you that you're driving, you're still not the doctor. Right. And, and you, st you still don't have the expertise when things get, when, when you have a medical problem, you're not getting the call. It's the doctor. And so you're the doctor. You have to stay relevant. And, and this is just, I think, a way to con continue to connect with people in a system where we're being kind of shoved into a box. Yeah, but isn't that amazing? How did that happen? If you, I've seen these graphs. I'm sure you've seen the same thing of the growth of medicine and doctors in this country, which is just a slight, you know, 10 degree curve. And if you look at the growth of administrators in general, which is just like straight up vertical line, you know, how did this happen where you have a senior vice president of everything in the hospital? But then, you know, and then the physicians now are just the physicians. I mean, it's a really amazing to me. I'll, I'll just example, uh, my father, other doctors I respect, you know, who are older and maybe retired now would tell me in the old days when the doctors, you know, med exec would meet or what have you, there'd be not even one administrator in the, in the, in the meeting, you know, because it's just doctors really ran the show. Um, and now we fast forward now where I think they've been completely um, uh, disenfranchised and have their power, uh, again, power to do good, power to help medicine have taken away. So I just wonder, you know, how did this happen? You know I mean? Or, or do we just say this has happened and we just have to kind of, we Deal can't be doing them or, you know, just we have to be as physicians, be advocates and not just be so bogged in doing EMR all day, you know, and this is why we're doing what we're doing right now. Maybe that, that's the answer, but any thoughts on that? We, we probably lost years at the end of our lives because of the, you know, the amount of stress and cortisol and lack of sleep and, Various, you know, poor and eating. Also, lack of hair. Also, hair. Like, that's yeah, a very man. real issue that, that Clinton likes to talk about every episode. So I'm going to beat him to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. I mean, we, we put in the, end, the, the hours and those are meaningful. I mean, we know that. That's that's part of, of uh, being an expert, putting in those 10,000 hours, right? I mean, it's, 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 if you don't have the hours, you, you are not going to have the complimented experience that will give you the best decision. And that's what we can do still as doc, as physicians. So, I think we're irreplaceable, at least for the short term, uh, until they come up with some AI bot. That just, I was just going to ask you about AI. I, I read some things, you know, uh, radiology, pathology, even dermatology or dermopathology, uh, that how AI is rapidly, you know, achieving parity and perhaps will even progress beyond. Uh, well, certain. Yeah, I think certain specialties, it'll be appropriate. But uh, well, instead I of don't, replacing, I, wouldn't it just be complementary? Okay, it frees you complimentary. up. We already use it complement. We already use it now. Like... Uh, even when you um, use uh, Google MD and you type in a, a diagnosis, there's an algorithm that's been. Or advanced uh, robot, if you're doing ro you know, robotic prostatectomies or, or what have you. I mean, I think it's just complementary, right? But, uh, I you want to get back to the. Far out stories of, of AI replacing everything in medicine. But I think, I think we're far enough from that time. We, you know, we don't have to worry about that quite yet. 
But one thing I think we should talk about. I want to, we... yeah, let me, let's transition. Cause I want to follow up what you've talked about as doctors uh, having boundaries. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think doctors are well-rounded, but do you think there should be a boundary as far as things they speak out on like uh, social, social issues? Um, you know, we always, should we just doctor shut up and doctor or should we speak about, <laughs> especially as it relates to healthcare? Cause healthcare is not, remiss from all the things that happen outside as far as feminism, racism, you know, gender bias, all, all that stuff. So, um, you know, is there a line that we can't cross? I, I'm of the, the belief that the patient will like you no matter, not no matter what, but if you're honest and true to yourself, then everything will be okay. I think that um, that's a, a big question. Heavy question. We'll, we'll, we'll make it light towards the end. This is another heavy question. That's true. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's no, it's an absolutely appropriate it's more question. Of a discussion, not, not even a question. No, 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 no. I mean, I, and I, I don't know. I don't have the right answers. I'm, I just have thoughts on it. And I think that, you know, having been, you know, kind of in, in this. You know, well, yeah, I guess, should we use our platform to speak out on things that traditionally we wouldn't speak out? Right. Well, look, I think that as doctors, we're, we're looked upon, we're looked to whether we know it or not, or like right. it or not. Uh, as 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 role models, as trusted resources for you know, because you know, I think generally speaking, we're people who investigate. We're we're, we're students of the scientific method. We we look up you know things that we do. We research it. We debate it. Um, and I think we should do the same thing for other issues before we you know you know see a headline and, and share it. I think that's that's where we have to be careful on on social right. media. I've I've been very tempted to just like see something you know, import my natural biases onto that headline and then, and then flip it and be like, that's, oh, look at this crazy thing. And I think that's, that's a natural urge that we all have. And a lot of people do that. But I do think that to the point of uh, boundaries and lines and, and ways that we have to conduct ourselves, that goes for us on social media as well, is that when you get behind something, you, you better have done your research, right. done a deep dive and really be able to defend, defend your position. Um, and understand where it sits in the grand scheme of everything that that's being discussed so that you can, again, uh, be more than just a puppet for, you know, one side or another or any of that stuff. There's always nuance. And we should, I think as right. doctors should be sitting in the side of nuance and. I like that. So, you, so you're saying doctors shouldn't have a podcast about structural racism with two white doctors not experts in the field and uh, given their opinion. I, I think that's probably- so you're, uh, you're alluding obviously to- uh, so, so do you want to tell the story? Well, he's, you're alluding just for anyone out there to the recent uh, uh, controversy per se. Uh, but we always think that you can make lemonade out of lemon. So AMA had a podcast and there was a concern that uh, the host um, uh, was not necessarily accepting or uh, cognizant or recognizing the idea of systemic racism in medicine and saying, no, it's not an issue we should be talking about. So that raised a bit of controversy, raised a bit of. Well, I, wait, 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 wait. So the, um, I, I think the problem was that it was supposed to be a, a podcast about structural racism, whether it exists okay, in medicine, the tweet, it was promoted by a tweet that said a physician cannot be racist. Uh, I'm not yeah, quoting what it. What I will tell you is there was some good that came of it. It was then the AMA subsequently uh, issued a very long statement, which I, I, I read most of it, not all of it. Uh, basically, acknowledging and then uh, pledging to improve and how they might improve. And I think this, you know, is good for everyone. This is not good for just one minority. This is good for all physicians, of for course. All, people, all mankind, all humankind. But this wasn't necessarily met with uh, equivocal... Um, 
acceptance by all members of AMA. And that's kind of where we are now. There are some people who perhaps felt that they were being slighted or people that um, felt that this was unfair being uh, unfair bias against or re reverse racism, if you can believe it. So I think that's, you know, we can touch upon that, but that's where kind of the genesis of this, of this um, issue, the podcast, the controversy, the response by the AMA, which, so that's, that's why I look at taking a bad thing, you know, lemon and making lemonade and saying, no, we're going to have a very comprehensive, uh, uh, introspection and you know this is what we're going to do about it and they laid out like a whole 15 point plan um but that wasn't necessarily taken well by all members of the ama obviously ama is a heterogeneous uh, organization it's not just doctors doctors of different ages different backgrounds different ethnicities and so that's kind of where we are today um you know where even though new england journal of medicine and others evidence-based medicine journals will have said there have been you know numerous scholarly research articles saying that this this bias does exist uh this has existed that there's been issues and within medicine of the tuskegee you know airman experiment for one of, you know mm -hmm. but just numerous things and the distrust in certain communities there's people who still don't necessarily acknowledge it so um obviously it's a very loaded question this is not supposed to be a question it's supposed to be a discussion and yeah. clearly there's no right answer we're not gonna solve this issue right now but at least if we keep the conversation going eventually we'll get to that point so um i think this is what Clinton had kind of wanted to say, you know, as physicians, should we be staying in our lane, just talking about high blood pressure, COVID and orthopedic issues or no, we should branch out because, you know, um, I like the, the line, it's not my line, but racism is a public health issue. And, and I think yeah. it's true. And we clearly have seen that, you know, in the last year or more with all the events unfolding, but you know, your thoughts on, and again, this is not meant to put you on the spot. This is just a conversation. No, of course. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about these issues. I mean, for a long time, but I think obviously for all of us as a, as a society, especially in the United States, um, since George Floyd and everything that happened, we really were, you know, we're shut down. This happened, we're all paying attention uh, from our busy lives. And so it was actually kind of this perfect storm of, of a moment that kind of brought to light, not necessarily, you know, I think some progress has sort of moved, but I think that we've kind of been, we've had this illusion. I have, I've had this illusion um, and maybe others have that we, we are living in this time uh, where yesteryear, these, these terrible right. racist policies existed and look at us now. Um, and what we're actually realizing is that, you know, we're living in a, in a an era of innuendo and euphemism that's once you kind of shake cl clear, clear for a minute, you realize that this, that this, these aren't vestiges of the past. In fact, these are uh, well-established, you know, systems that are in place right now. Right. Um, and, and what we see, you know, with that, with the New England Journal article back in August, it was August, I think it was last year, when this attention was being uh, paid to these, you know, various algorithms and, and ways to risk stratify and to, to classify, you know, races of people as though that they're different genetic species right. and they can somehow have, somehow have different, um, you know, uh, organs that behave differently and need to be treated differently and need to be referred at different rates to specialists for, for higher level of care. And, and we're doing ourselves, I think, a disservice uh, as, as physicians without challenging these notions um, and trying to, you know, really get better. And so I think as opposed to, you know, I don't necessarily think that doctors need to sit, sit out on social media and, and constantly, you know, plant polls and take stands necessarily. But I think we, we as doctors getting back to that idea of, of critical thinking and analysis, we really have to challenge assumptions that we've uh, made, maybe made and probably have made erroneously, um, attributing things to race and, and, and 
you know, um, we just learned about this race norming in the NFL, like yesterday, like, what the hell is that? Like, uh, and, and I'm learning about this, like, this is there. And the NFL is using this as a way to not pay the players, the black players um, for, for, um, you know, for, for brain injuries when, you know, because they're the, they're, they're saying that the average uh, intelligence level or cognitive functioning of black people are less than white people. So they don't quite meet the spread. So they don't get a payout. I mean, that's just absolutely uh, ridiculous. And, um, you know, we have to start, we have to continue to, to dredge up these things and sort of stress them and try to move forward in a way with real facts. Right. I, I think the, the hardest well, problem with this is, you know, and we saw from that podcast is that, um, you know, we really don't make the distinction between structural racism and just being, you know, personally racist, right? So most people don't think that they're racist. Personally. Personally, because, right. you know, they, their neighbor's black or whatever. They play golf with their, their Indian friend or whatever. Um, but we, we all live in this system which perpetuate that was founded on especially in medicine, medicine has always perpetuated this, like you said, this genetic discrepancy between people who are non-white and white. And, and that's still perpetuated today. You know, we're still talking about kidney disease and GFR as whether, you know, that's accurate. We're talking about blood pressure. And, you know, you mentioned the CT with NFL players. So, you know, that it, that's unfortunately endemic in, in medicine. And you could be the the least racist person, as Donald Trump likes to say, position. But, you know, once you're in this system that, you know, we're all culpable in the system and we all have to do something regardless of where we stand to try to improve the system because... People don't realize that system exists, right? So like you said, right. people may say, I'm the least racist person, I have no racist uh, tendencies, but they don't realize, you know, unconsciously that there is this system in play uh, that has been in play, you know, as Peter mentioned, not just in the SEO year, but continues forthright uh, even today. Can you call it racism? I mean, because you can't even start the conversation anymore if you call it racism. You have to call it something else. I, I... Yeah, but it's, uh, we have to acknowledge it's uncomfortable probably for a lot of people. But I think if, if people come together and say it's good not just for black people or brown people, it's good for all people. It's, all, it's, good, right? it's good for all our patients. But isn't that common sense, though? Like, isn't, you know, that AMA um, report about uh, you know health disparities and improving quality initiatives, that sounds like a no-brainer to me, right? Like that's something that would benefit everyone, everyone. health-wise, economically, socially, spiritually. But yeah. then you get this pushback from the House of Delegates, like you know, uh, it's reverse racism, or it's like the old boys' club doesn't. They want to hold on to these old vestiges, even when they're shooting themselves in the foot. As far as progress, it's, it just it doesn't make sense to me. But I think I think this uh, now and now we see that the uh, most recently the editor in chief of uh, JAMA, uh, Jerome Merkman, so she just stepped down. Um, so I think this controversy and this these issues and ramifications are still going to be you know widespread. I just hope that eventually it's not just a controversy, but like you said, a, a good comes out of it. I mean, at least the conversation is going and continues, and then you're going to have these counterpoints. But I hope that the the wave you know still goes in the right direction. Uh -huh. I tell you, you uh, usually Clinton's very jovial and and you know we're joking. So he is heavy today. Is it is it the rain? Is that what getting you down? I mean, we ha we can't end it here on such a heavy note. You know, channeling my, my Al, I'm channeling my Al Sharpton. I'm sorry. Uh, is it brother? I, I didn't realize we have brother Al Sharpton here. 
<laughs> we have to joke. It's okay. We joke a lot. Uh, but, you know, you, you know, I think, an old king aside, I think these are very important conversations. And when we started, right before we started recording, we told Peter, man, we got a lot to jam in. Uh, and we did. I mean, already in 40 minutes, we've talked on a whole host of topics. But I think that's because there's so much going on in medicine. And irrespective of COVID, right? We're not talking about COVID, thankfully, after a year and a half or or GFRs, or, or or even ortho, we're talking about so many other issues. So I think we clearly answered our question that do physicians stay in the lane? The answer is no, at least not for us, right? We have a lot to discuss and lots to talk about. You know, Peter, we want to thank you for coming on, but you know, not to be so heavy, just tell us a little bit about some personal things about you and also um, what you'd like to do in your free time, if you have free time. And or, or of course, since we're talking about social media, where people can find you, what your handles are, et cetera. Sure, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. This has been great. I think we need to have more of these discussions. I think that um, this can't be just, you know, one podcast. It should be a series. It should be, you know, and again, it should be in the thread of what we talk about with everyone. I, you know, maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm guilty of this with, you know, friends or, but I always tend to, you know, like talk about this stuff because this is what's important in life. This is how we move forward as a society and as, a, you know, you know, as humanity. I mean, how else are you going to, how else are you going to leave a world for your kids that, that has moved and incrementally improved? Um, so without these conversations and education, you know, uh, what are we doing here? You know, so, but as uh, far as can, let me cut you off a minute. Speaking of race, did you know that, um, do you have an Apple phone Siri? You can change the voice to an Indian voice. So the past week I've had this Indian voice of Siri. It's the most amazing thing I've, I've, I've heard of. Is it very soothing? Not unlike my voice. Is that, is that, uh... it, it, there's a girl or the guy, I use the guy. Maybe to remind me of you if you put your, your Indian accent. No, no, it's no concern of ours. That's fine. I'm happy that our people can bring you joy. Is that is that racist? No. I don't think so. I mean, you know, we, we also don't want to live in a world where you can't say anything, you can't joke around. You and you can't I mean? laugh, right? Yes. You've got to be able to laugh. And I think, uh, well, hey, I don't know. We're going to let Peter have the last word, but Sorry. I will say yeah. that you realize, you realize when people laugh at each other about certain things, I've always felt this way then you can have two people of different ethnicities, you know, it's, and, and they realize, man, they're dealing with the same stuff, laughing about the same things, same things happening in their lives. And it just kind of makes that whole universal, you know, experience uh, relevant. So I, I mean, I hope we don't get, you know, that we don't take comedy and laughter out of it. So you enjoy your Indian male uh, series, problem, and, uh, you know, I am happy you're finding pleasure with it. But Peter, tell us, Again, where we can find you also, you know, I know you like to hike. I like to hike as well. We talked about um, Clinton uh, jazzercising in his jazz hands, but we were actually going to go for a hike right after this, but now it's pouring rain. So, I mean, where do you like to go hiking? Just tell us any little treasures you might know in, in New Jersey. You know what? Uh, <clears throat> I don't get uh, out as much as I wish I could, but uh, yeah. we've been, you know, we're, we live, uh, you know, in Wayne. And, and so, we're, we're actually pretty close to a lot of like uh, a lot of good hiking. Um, there's actually a place like Northern Green Forest is really nice. Uh, it's really crazy how close it is, yet it's like <laughs> uh, it's like you're, 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 you know, you don't have to travel that far. You know, you travel 10 minutes. So. Right. Yeah. People always think of New Jersey is just like the turnpike and the parkway. I mean, you, I live in Ridgewood, you know, Clinton lives in Allendale. So we are living, at, you know, in Western Bergen County or, you know, you're in Wayne. But uh, there's an amazing amount of trails and and you know, the Rample Mountains and, and places to go. And it, actually, I would say COVID for me made me kind of, because we couldn't do much else besides hike, it just kind of forced us to get out there and, and, and find all these little places. So, I mean, it's actually, uh, there's always little gems all over the place. You have to just look everywhere. everywhere. So, but yeah, otherwise, otherwise I'm just a, my other hobby is just being a content creator now. <laughs> oh, nice. 
with trying to figure, you know, you're always trying to think about what, what's interesting, what, you know, it takes a lot of creativity to kind of come up with, to come up with things that might be interesting. And, and the nice thing about social media is like you kind of test out various things and um, see what, see what people are interested in and kind of go from there. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think that other than that, you know, just hanging out with the kids, being involved and that's very important. You gotta be involved with your kids no matter how busy you are, you, you gotta find time, you know, I think we've seen, we've seen mentors, you know, older, the old guard in, in medicine who never, you know, spend time with their kids. And then, you know, they had issues and you, know, you never want to re repeat that sort of thing. So I always, you know, try to keep that perspective and um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And where can we find you? I mean, you have, I know, I know you're a very uh, uh, active on LinkedIn, which is great. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm on, you know, so LinkedIn is probably my biggest platform just because I probably, because I started it so long yeah. ago. I think it's a good, great platform for professionals, for doctors, uh, a lot of interested, you know, colleagues out there. So Peter DeNoble, uh, MD, basically, um, if you look me up. And then um, on uh, Instagram, we're really trying to develop that a little bit. Uh, Peter DeNoble, MD there, um, same as on TikTok and, uh, you know. So you do have a TikTok. Oh yeah, man! Come on, it's it's very similar content. I actually got banned from TikTok. It's a different story, but that, we'll talk about that later. Uh, no, I mean, like, listen, it was the same stuff I'm putting on Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. But uh, apparently, TikTok doesn't like like watching, you know, slice down the, down the back uh, of their head. Once it's open, they don't care. But 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 the knife to skin is a is a no no apparently. So so you, so you weren't doing a, a Bollywood dance like Doctor Sucker does. No. <laughs> it's part of our culture, you know. Like it brings people joy. So it's uh, probably a band. Actually, I, I think my dog, my golden doodle, has a Instagram or, or TikTok page. So look out for that one in the future. So uh, all right, I, uh, <laughs> 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 Dr. Peter. No, we want to thank you so much for coming on. In all seriousness, um, this was great because we were able to touch upon so much in, in a short period of time. We do hope you'll come back with us again. But we really appreciate your expertise. And the fact that you are not only a brilliant surgeon, but you are socially conscious. I think that for that, for us, because that, you know, Clint and I, despite all our back and forth and, and bickering uh, sometimes, you know, it's extremely important to us. Um, and that's kind of why we started this podcast to talk about socially relevant issues within medicine, you know, about medicine, encompassing medicine. And, and you know, the way you spoke, how eloquently you portrayed your thoughts, uh, we are very much appreciative of that. So thank you for sharing it with our audience. Yeah, I appreciate it. Let's, let's keep the uh, conversation going, you know? Well, so you have to come back, for sure. For sure. All right, guys. Thank you. Until next time, you know, uh, for audience out there, you recommend Deli Dose. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, listen. In the meantime, find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, as well as on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Dr. Stuart Slugger and my sidekick and co-host, Dr. Clinton Coleman. Until next time, be well. Peter, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Let me let me try this. Let me try this real quick. Hey Siri, <laughs> play recommended daily dose. Okay. Isn't there for non entity at this I'm point? I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. You see, Clinton had a lot of extra time on his hand. I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. That's hey hilarious. Siri. Play recommended daily dose. <laughs>